0: I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. When they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He said, it's about your relationship with God. And they didn't ask what the second greatest commandment was, but he went ahead and told them. He said, it's about the relationship that we have with one another. Uh, today we're going to be talking about friendships and we're going to be talking about as we come out of this isolation, what is the new normal for our friendships? Friendships. You know, one of my favorite authors is a fellow by the name of Patrick Lencioni. He's written 11 books. One of my favorites is a book called Death by Meeting. And in that book, he says the problem in most businesses is not that they have too many meetings, but they have too many bad meetings. And he says one of the things that makes a meeting bad is when there's a lack of clarity, a purpose. If the person who's called the meeting doesn't know the purpose of it, certainly the people who attend it are not going to know the purpose Of that meeting and when there's a lack of clarity about the purpose you really don't make very much progress in a meeting like that Uh, this past week I I got to thinking about uh, our friendships and many times our friendships suffer in the same way from a lack of clarity a purpose the person who lived an on-purpose life more than anyone who's ever lived was Jesus Christ he never did anything by accident he always knew exactly where he was going and why he was going there And in the Bible, we see at least three different groups of people that he befriended, and each one of them had a unique purpose. I want us to look at all three today. First of all, he had a a relationship with a group of people that I want to call the crowd. In fact, he was criticized, and this is, if you're going to talk about how many, this is many people. He was criticized for having a relationship with a crowd. One of my favorite stories comes out of Luke the... 19th chapter. It's a story that uh, most all of us who grew up in church were familiar with. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And you remember Zacchaeus was outside of the faith. He was in the crowd. In fact, he was hiding in the crowd when Jesus came to the town of Jericho. And, and the crowd was in his way, as a matter of fact. And he had to climb up in a tree so he could see Jesus. And when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was up in the tree, Jesus stopped and he looked up in the, in the tree. And he said, I want to go to your house today. In other words, he befriended Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was outside of a relationship with God. He he was a a moral failure. He was really uh, rejected by the people in Jericho. But Jesus Christ chose to befriend him for a purpose. In fact, that purpose is stated there in Luke, the 19th chapter and verse 10. Listen to what it says. Jesus referred to himself, by the way, many times as the Son of Man. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, when Jesus reached out to Zacchaeus to make him a friend, he knew exactly why he was doing it. He was doing it to share the love of God. He was doing it to say that God still cares about you. He was befriending him so that he could be a part of the fellowship. Now, we have to be careful because many times uh, if we're not careful, we don't know why we are making friends with those in the crowd. And I think we need to make friends with those who are in the crowd, those who are outside of faith. But we must remember that we're to do it for the same reason that Jesus did, to get them to come into the community of faith, because it's easy if we're not careful for that to be reversed. If we don't understand the purpose, what happens is they pull us back into the world. Now, there's a second group of people that Jesus befriended, and it was the community of faith those who were followers, or at least said they were followers. And if this is many, this is some. In in fact, there were several groups within that group. There was the group of disciples that were 12. And then you remember in one portion of the Scripture, it talks about the fact that there were 70 followers that he actually sent to go out to the crowd to win them. In fact, let me just say this. I think that when we are in this uh, group of God's friends, that our purpose changes. It's no longer to win over those who are in that group, but it's, it's actually for discipleship to take place. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 24, it says this, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds... Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but one, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the, the day drawing near. So when we're in this group and we're having friends in this group, our, our purpose is to encourage one another to to uh, cause each other to want to live for Christ more. And yet there'll be times that when we have that fellowship, that we'll actually step back into the crowd to do what Jesus did when He reached out to the crowd, and that is to win them over. Now, if we're not careful, this is so comfortable that many times what happens is we circle the wagons. Uh, we we uh, build up walls and we keep the people who are on the crowd out and we don't ever venture out where they are. And if we're not careful, we can quarantine the gospel of Jesus Christ so nobody catches what they're supposed to catch. And so we need to understand that we're to make friends in both of those groups, but they're totally different purposes. In Acts, the second chapter, it talks about this community of of faith or community of fellowship. And it says, so those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And, And so there's to be a discipleship that goes on here and there's to be evangelism that goes on here. In fact, if you think about it, this is really the purpose of our church, isn't it? It's about being friends with both of these groups. This is about sharing Christ, and this is about building up the believer. And we need to understand the difference. I love Matthew 4:19. In Matthew 4:19, Jesus said, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." And what he was saying is, come and be a part of this group so then you can leave this group to go reach out to others. It's both, come follow me, but go out and, and to be fishers of men. And sometimes we think we have to choose between the two. We really don't. God wants us to live in in both of those arenas of friendships. But to understand that when we're in one arena, we have one purpose. And when we're in the other arena, we have a completely different purpose. I like it what it says in Romans the eighth chapter in verse twenty eight it says that he's called us according to his purpose. In other words, he had a purpose in his relationship with us, so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. And in the same way we're to be purposeful in all of our relationships. Now there's a there's a third though group of friends. It's kind of an interesting one. It was actually for Jesus. It was a part of the twelve which also made it a part of the larger group of the community of faith. And it was what I want to call the core or the few. And we all know who those were because we've read about them. It was Peter, James, and John. You remember that when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration where he saw Elijah and where Moses appeared Elijah appeared representing the prophets and Moses appeared representing the law and that was a supernatural event and Jesus and and Moses and Elijah was standing there and the those three gentlemen got to experience that all the disciples didn't get to experience it it was just Peter James and John more importantly When Jesus Christ, the night before his crucifixion, went to the garden of Gethsemane, he went with all of his disciples, except for Judas, who had already gone to betray him. But he took a little further into the garden, Peter, James, and John. Now, let me just say this. Jesus played favorites, okay? And we ought to as well. There ought to be a time when we're with the crowd, but that's not our close Friends, those are not the people that we're looking to for support, looking to for encouragement, looking to shape our lives. We're to find that here. But even more so, we're to find a few who are committed. If, if these are the curious, these are the convinced, these are the ones that are committed. And they're not only committed to the Lord, but they're committed to us. Now, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. I want you to think about that in the garden. The reason that he took those three guys a little further in the garden is he wanted their support. He wanted his close friends' encouragement. That's why he was so disappointed when he came and he found them asleep and he said, could you not watch with me one hour? And we need all three of those kinds of groups and friendships in our life. And we need to understand that the purpose of this is to reach others not to be influenced by them, not to depend upon them for our self-worth or our acceptance or our popularity. We're to be with this group so that we can encourage one another. But we need to have some folks that we know are committed not only to the cause of Christ, but committed to us being the very best that we can be in Christ Jesus. I love the relationship that Jesus had with these three individuals. My question for you today is do you have a relationship with followers, other followers of Christ, people who are committed not only to the cause of Christ, but committed to you being all that God has called you to be? Now, we've been in a season, a very unique season as a nation and as individuals. Uh, We've been sheltering in place. And some of you, while we've been sheltering in place, you've missed the crowd. You really have. You you miss being with a big group, and and maybe you missed them for the right reasons. Maybe you missed them for the wrong reasons. But you missed the crowd. There are a lot of us today that are looking forward. To July 12th when we're going to meet face-to-face together as a Lake Point Church because you have missed the community. And yes, we've connected on Zoom and we've connected by uh, singing praises together in our separate places. But man, to be back together again. The scripture says in Hebrews that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But let's be honest today. Some of you have not missed the core because you didn't have a core before shelter in place. There's no absence there. There's no yearning that's there because you never had that in the first place. Uh, You'd never let someone get close enough to serve you in that way. There's this great scripture that's found in the Old Testament that I think speaks to this, and it's found in Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, verse 9. Listen to what it says there. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe woe to the one who falls when there's not another one to lift him up. Furthermore, if two can lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who's alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. He talks about at least four things that this kind of relationship provides for you that this relationship cannot provide for you, and certainly this one does not. The first thing is that there's a better return, it says there in verse 9, for your labor. I love the illustration that we find in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, where it talks about the human body and how every part of the human body is unique and important, and how they work together. But one of the lessons that we learn from that is no one body part, no one body part is as effective as the whole body working together. And and part of what it's saying is that when you have a few close committed Christian friends and you're on mission together, you can do some damage for the kingdom of God. All right. And so, first of all, there's a better return. Second of all, there's a, a, an aspect of rescue. Again, look back in verse 10. Verse 10, it says, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another one to lift him up. Have you seen that commercial on TV where the, the elderly person falls down and they said, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up. And it's advertising this uh, alert that this little gadget that you wear. In fact, mine is right here. <laughs> and find it. There it is right there. And when I fall down and I need help, I know I can just push this button and then all of a sudden somebody's going to come and rescue me. Do you have that in your life? When you fall physically, when you fall spiritually, when you fall morally. See, I think we need someone who can, because we all fall, who can look us in the eye and be the eyes of Jesus to say, I haven't given up on you. You are forgiven. You're better than this. You can start again. We need someone with flesh on who can be Jesus to us in a time like that when we fall. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We make each other better by having a better return for our labor by rescuing one another. And then look at verse 11. Verse 11 talks about encouragement. It says that when two lie down together, they can be warm, but how can one be warm alone? And when I read that, I thought about the fact that it's so great. One of the, one of the terrible things about this whole uh, COVID thing is that we, hadn't, we haven't got to do a lot of hugging. I'm sorry, I'm a hugger, okay? And uh, I just thought about that when I read that passage, is that it just is not the same when you hug yourself, is it? You need somebody else who's close to you that you trust who can just give you a good old hug. And, and we need that encouragement. We need someone to encourage us in the faith. Those of you who know me well know that I have a reputation for running out of gas. Just, <laughs> I've got other strengths, but that's one thing is I just keep that thing going. And all of a sudden I look up and I realize I- I'm out of gas and there's no gas station. In fact, some of you have picked me up on the side of the road. And you know who you are. <laughs> Uh, recently, I got one of those cool cars that actually tells you how, much, uh, how many more miles you have before you run out of gas. And it will actually say, you've got about two more blocks. And now, whenever I see that, I go home and I trade cars with Marsha. <laughs> you know, I wish we had a gauge on us that could tell us when we were emotionally low, uh, when we were spiritually low. See, I think when you let people into your life... And you share with them honestly, and you're transparent with them. You share with them your victories, and you share with them your struggles. They can look into your eyes, and your eyes are the windows into your soul, and they can see when you need encouragement. Uh, They also can see when you need someone to kick you in the rear end (laughs) and and to challenge you. And we need both, don't we? we? We need that kind of warmth in our life. And then last of all, it talks there in verse 12, about protection. In, in verse 12, it says this. It says, And if one can overpower him who's alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. The only, the only combat they knew in those days, it wasn't missiles. It was mostly hand-to-hand combat. And whenever you went into battle, many times what would happen is you would find yourself in the midst of a battle with it going on all around you, and you would literally stand back to back with your fellow soldiers, and you literally had each other back. And what that meant is nobody could sneak up on you and that you were protected on all sides. Let me ask you, do you have a relationship? Have you created some friends that provide that kind of protection for you? See, a lot of times we don't see the enemy coming. But if there's somebody who knows the sin that so easily besets us, and all of us have one, or several, <laughs> and they know that, they can see it coming. They can see our, our tendency to, for our, our fervor for the Lord to cool down. They can see us kind of pulling back from some of our holy habits. And they can say, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on there? And, and they can be that protection for us if we let them get close enough. Now here's my question again. Do you have a small group of committed Christian friends who you're on mission with who are there to rescue you, to encourage you, and protect you from the evil one? There was a study at Yale that said uh, in America uh, there's only one, uh, rather there's only six out of ten women who have that kind of relationship that's marked by transparency and mutual commitment. Only 6 out of 10. That's the good news. The bad news is there's only 1 out of 10 men in America that have a relationship that's marked by transparency and mutual commitment to one another. And so it's not something that's natural to be in a relationship like that, but it is something that is on purpose, and it's a part of God's plan for us. In Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse 24, I think is a real, uh, real, real interesting scripture. It says, a man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And what he's telling us there, he's telling us, this is not about being social. A lot of us are social, but we don't have these relationships. It's not about a popularity contest or if you can win an election. A man with too many friends, a, a man who has... Friendships that are a mile wide and a centimeter deep. That's the person who comes quickly to run. And it's not that we're not to have these. Don't miss this. It's not that we're not supposed to have these. But it is very, the very thing that having this allows us to go there. And, and without this, it's dangerous to go here. Let me, just, let me just draw one other thing here. See, I drew this circle Crossing this circle because there are people who say that they're in the family of God who are not in the family of God. Uh, They're they're wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus said, Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Because there are people who are at church, but they're not in the community of faith. one of them was a guy by the name of Judas. He was not only a part of the community, he was a part of the 12. But he didn't have this. And, and, and I don't know, and I don't know that any of us will know until after this life is over whether Judas was a follower who just fell and fell really hard and is going to be with us for eternity, or if he was just playing the game. I don't think we know that. But here's what I do know. If he would had a relationship like this, he could have gone here and not stayed here. Does that make sense? Do you have a group of committed Christians? When my girls were growing up, we had a rule about dating. And the rule was you can't date anybody unless they're a Christian. Now, here's the problem with that rule. Everybody in America is a Christian. (laughs) If they would come home with these guys, and, and, and I would say, whoa, whoa, apparently I didn't ask the question correctly. And so we had to change it a little bit. We had to change it from you can't date anybody unless they're a Christian to you can't date anybody unless they are a committed Christian. they got to be further into that 12, hopefully into the three, okay? Now, fortunately, my two girls married some guys who have these kinds of relationships. And because they have these kind of relationships, they're able to have these kind of relationships without endangering their souls, You see, God wants us to have all three relationships. He wants us to have a relationship with the crowd. He wants us to have a relationship with the community. He wants us to have a relationship with the core. But it is a relationship with the core that allows us to have the relationship with the crowd. Now, if it's so important to have this core relationship, then why are so many of us without that friendship? I think there are several reasons. Uh, One is busyness, very frankly. We get so busy that doing things that we miss out on what Jesus said was the most important thing, which is relationships. And if we're too busy to witness to the crowd, we're too busy. If we're too busy to fellowship and gather together on a regular basis and be inspired by one another as we lift our voices to heaven together and as we open up God's word, we're too busy. And if we're too busy to make room for transparent, committed relationships, then we're too busy. Another reason I think that we miss out on it sometimes is, very frankly, mobility. If you live in a neighborhood, 50% of the people who live in that neighborhood will not be there in 10 years. Because we move around. Jobs move us around. Uh, other situations move us around. And many times what happens is we say, well, well, goodness, I'm here for such a short time. I hate to make that investment if I'm, if I'm not going to be here for a long time. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, pastors have to say that before they tell a story. (laughs) True story. We had, many of you know that we have neighborhood network where once in a while we ask you to take some chips and some hot sauce. And if you've seen somebody move into your neighborhood to take it to them and say, Hey, welcome to the community. If you haven't found a church yet, we'd love for you to visit Lake Point. And so we had uh, a family in our church who got convicted about that. And so they, they went and they, they, they got a bag of chips because the day before they had seen a, a moving truck across the street from them and, and people were, were uh, moving the furniture around and all. And so they, they were so proud of themselves. They, they came and they took the bag of chips and they knocked on the door and said, hey, I just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. And the person looked at him and said, well, actually we've lived here five years. We're moving out. Okay sometimes what happens is we get too busy for the kind of relationships that God has called us to. And many times because the way people move in and out, we say, you know, what's, what's the reason for doing that? Another reason I think is because uh, many times what happens is we're afraid. And one of the things that we're afraid of is we're afraid in this kind of relationship that we'll be exposed for who we really are. You see, most of us are more comfortable over here, especially on this side of it, because we can project to other people what we want them to know about us. And we're afraid if they really knew us, if they really knew the, the failings that we have and the weaknesses that we have, they wouldn't love us. But here's the truth is, if they don't know all that, they're not really loving you anyway. They're loving the image that you have projected You can't really, this is the truth, you can't really be loved until you're truly known. Now, sometimes what keeps us from those relationships is pride. Uh, Again, I think it's interesting that that this is a harder thing for men to have these kinds of transparent and committed relationships than women. There's just something, there's something about the male ego, about the macho uh, ego That says, "I don't need anybody else's help." Well, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. And, and 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 part of the thing that keeps us from having a relationship with Christ is pride, and it will also keep us from having those relationships that will serve us well. In Genesis, the second chapter, the Bible tells us that God created everything that is; that He created the night. And he created the day, and he said, It is good. He created the vegetation, and he created the beast, and he said, It is good. He created uh, the sea, and he created the land, and he said, "It, It is good. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars, and he said, It is good, it is good, it is good. But in Genesis the second chapter, verse 18, for the very first time, the creator, the perfect creator of the universe, creates something and he stops and he says, It's not good. He creates man. And he doesn't declare that man is not good, but then he declares, it's not good that man should be alone. Friends, one of the reasons that it has felt so awkward during this time of sheltered in place is because God never intended it to be this way. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. I ask you one last time, do you have on-purpose friendships with a few committed Christian friends who you're on mission with, who are there to rescue you, to encourage you, and protect you? So what's the take-home today? take-home for some of us is for us to re-engage the crowd for the right reason. There's some of us who've moved over here. We may even have the core going on. But we've isolated ourselves, and we're, we're no longer on mission. He said, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Some of us need to recommit ourselves to make friends here. Make sure you're anchored here so you can. But to do that for some today, it's to stop looking to the crowd to meet the needs that only the core can meet. And and, and to realize that maybe the reason you're struggling with some of the temptations that you're struggling with is because your relationships do not have clarity or purpose. For some of us today, it's to move inside of this circle. See, the natural progression is to be sitting in the auditorium and to kind of know people but not really know people, kind of come in late and leave early You don't have to deal with any people. But to move into a life group. You know that the the disciples, that was Jesus' life group. All right? But then once you find a life group to in that, and by the way, I think that's the best place to find the few is in your life group. That's where you develop the relationships, and you can begin to trust people and to share in confidence some of your struggles and, and to be transparent for some of you, you're already in the life group, but it's to begin to be intentional and say, you know, this year, I'm gonna start doing, I'm gonna make time to do some things with some people I respect, people who are not perfect, even as I'm not perfect. But I can see that God is doing something in their life that I wanna emulate in my own life and to begin to make room for that. Everyone, I think, can be more on purpose in their relationships. And when there's a clarity of purpose in each one of our relationships, then those friendships are friendships that will serve us well and will serve the cause of Christ well. Let's thank him for that. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you today for your calling us your friend, for being on purpose, coming to this earth and living among us, And laying your life down for us so that we didn't have to be isolated because of our sin. Thank you, dear Father, that you called us to that same purpose. Thank you, dear Father, that we can be in the world, but not of the world. Thank you, dear Father, for the sweet fellowship of the church that encourages us. And thank you, dear Father, for those relationships that challenge us and grow us. Thank you for your plan. Help us, dear Father, to be on purpose in our friendships. Help our new normal of friendships to be your normal. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our Church Online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit Digital.